Well, this morning has been a microcosm of my week. We uh, have been moving this week, and you know, you never know how much stuff you have until you move, and I have lost my wallet this week. I lost my phone two or three times. I lost my mind a lot of times. And I lost the mic for a period of a few minutes here this morning as well. And so, me dropping my papers, me losing the mic, is just a microcosm of the week that I've had. But hey, no, I just want to say good morning, saints. Good morning. It is so good to be here with you. It's been a while. Now, I've been here, well, maybe, uh, maybe last year, but, but to preach, it's been four and a half years. And, you know, I, I have longed for the day when... When, when my family and I could, could be here with you to share the word with you, because I consider you all my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And you always will be, because we have made lifelong friendships here. I look out, and there's lots of new faces that I don't recognize, and I say, praise God for that. That is just an amazing thing to see, and I couldn't be prouder of what the Lord has done here and is doing here at Mount Vernon Baptist Church. And it's just wonderful. You know, we, I was uh, joking with Andrea this week, and I said that we, we seem to always find our way here between ministry assignments. And it just so happened that, that the Lord sovereignly ordained that this week, between my last Sunday at Mount Pleasant and my first Sunday at Clay First Baptist, I'm here. And I give God all the glory for that. As Matt had alluded to earlier, uh, you know, I, I had served alongside Matt and Kurt for a number of years. Uh, I think from 2007 to 2012 officially. Um, then the Lord called me to seminary in Louisville and I, uh, it was a joyous occasion. I remember you all laid your hands on me and sent me to seminary. And that was a joyous occasion. Uh, in 2012, I then accepted the call to pastor uh, in South Central Indiana, and I was blessed to, to preach here, and you all laid your hands on us and sent us there. And, well, here we are again. By God's providence, we are, uh, we're here. And so, you know, if, if, you, if you haven't seen a pattern yet, then I don't know what to tell you because there is one. There is a pattern here. And I think that no matter what we do, we're going to be forever linked. We're going to be linked. We, because most importantly, you know, though we have, uh, we know, some of us know each other, uh, we know each other well, we share a common salvation. And it's a great joy to share a common salvation with God's people no matter where you are. It's, it's a, it is a gift and, and, and you all are a gift to me and my family, you always have been and you always will be. And so I'm humbled to be a part of that this morning. Enough with the introductions. If you have your Bible, would you go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 3. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 this morning and we're going to be honing in specifically on Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 10 this morning. And uh, these are uh, very wonderful verses, uh, verses that I uh, am, grew a lot, uh, you know, grew mightily from, from, from my preparation. And, and uh, what we're going to be looking at today is at two things. We're going to be looking at how the healing of the lame beggar in this text, how it illustrates for us the pitiful condition of our souls 
apart from Christ. And then secondly, the kind of response we ought to have when we're in Christ. And, and to, to, to streamline things uh, and make it a little bit more simple, our outline this morning is number one, an obvious contrast. And then number two, an appropriate response. So let's read this morning's text, we'll pray, and then we'll dive right in. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and we will begin. This is God's Word. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they, now the they could be friends, it could be family, laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is God's Word, and now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I ask this morning that you would give us a supernatural understanding of this text. Lord, that it would penetrate our hearts and our minds, that we would see in ourselves and see in other people our need, our condition before Christ. And Lord, that we would then appropriately know how to respond to what Christ has done in our lives. But God, we're sinful. We need your help and we ask for the, for the Holy Spirit to uh, illumine and enlighten our time this morning. It's in Christ's name I pray. And God's people said, Amen. Well, all right. Um, let's, be, uh, let's go ahead and dive in, number one, uh, with uh, uh, our first point, an obvious contrast. Now, to catch everybody kind of what's, what, what's been going on so far in this book of Acts is, um, well, is the birth of the church. The church is a, is a new thing. And wonderful things have happened. The Lord Jesus has ascended into heaven. Leadership voids are then filled. The promised Holy Spirit comes. You know that, Acts chapter 2. 
The church then grows exponentially from 120 believers to, to it says, well over 3,000. I mean, just amazing things are happening. Great miracles are happening. Wherever the apostles go, you're seeing these great miracles. And it's happening through the preaching of the word. Well, today we come to one of them. We come to a man who is lame from birth. And he's healed of his lifelong affliction. You know, as I, as I studied this passage this morning, I, I couldn't help but become deeply moved by what I read. And, you know, just like, like, like any time you, you, you study the text, you hear the word preached, you see that there's so much more going on than just what you see. There's, there's so much more going on than just what's on the surface. There's always truths and, and, and wonderful things that to be, to be mined in the Word of God. And I believe that in this text we see these kinds of things. Now as we read this passage, if you're like me, your, your gospel radar is going off now. What I like to call your spiritual spidey senses. You know what I mean when you read a passage of scripture and, and you're starting to, to make all these connections. And, and though there may be a, something physical going on, you, 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 you start to connect the spiritual with it. And I call it your spiritual spidey senses. And, and perhaps those are going off for you this morning. Because we know that this story is... is so much more than just about a physical healing. It's so much more about than just a, a lame beggar being healed. In fact, I would say that this story is really a picture, an illustration of sorts, of our own spiritual journey. And so Peter and John, they're headed to the temple courts to pray. And this is... Something, this is like going uh, about business as usual. Uh, what you would normally encounter with a, with a, Jewish, uh, a Jewish man here is that, is that there was a time of prayer during the, 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 the early morning sacrifice. Then there was a time of prayer around the ninth hour, which is around 3 p.m. And then they prayed again at sunset. And this is, this is what they did every single day. And it was at the ninth hour then that they traveled to this temple. To the temple. And, and if again, if your spiritual spidey senses are going off, this ninth hour is very, very significant. Because to the Christians of that day, this was the very hour on which Jesus had died on the cross. The hour with which He cried in a loud voice, It is is finished as he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so we have these two apostles. They're heading toward their destination. And they encounter something, a relatively common sight. You know, you might be going down uh, the Lloyd Expressway and, and you come to a, uh, or, or some, some uh, road in Evansville and you come to a, to a place where you see someone with a sign you know, asking for money or we'll work for food. And, and here they come to encounter a relatively common sight then. A beggar who was carried and set down beside the temple gate. 
Now the text tells us that this particular beggar had been crippled his entire life. This wasn't as the result of an accident. It wasn't the result of, of anything like that. No, what the, 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 the Greek here clues us in that the man had been lame from his mother's womb. If you were to fast forward and go to chapter 4, you would see that it confirms that he never had walked during his 40 plus years on earth. And what I love about the, the, the author of Acts, Luke, is he is so detailed and, and, he, and there's so many layers to his writing. And what he's doing here is he is intentionally communicating that this beggar is in an extremely sad state of an incurable disability. And we're to feel that. We're to, we're to understand that this man is in a bad, bad way. Now, in this culture, it's not like our culture today. The disabled were, were considered to be the lowest, the, the least valued, uh, those, those cast-aside people in society. They were considered that their disability was the result of a sin or perhaps the sin of their, their father or their father's father. And even worse, the lame weren't allowed to enter the temple because of their disability. You know, you look at the book of Leviticus and it has all these, these laws. But what they could do is they could sit at the gates and they could beg. And that's, that's precisely what's going on here. And so as worshipers enter, entered and exit, exited the, the temple after their prayer... They'd be highly conscious of their duty to obey the law and be charitable to the needy. Uh, you, you, see, you can read Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 4, and it talks about not uh, uh, allowing one of your people to be poor. And so they would be conscious of that as they're, as they're entering and exiting they're after prayers that it's our duty as a Jewish man to make sure that this person is taken care of. I'm sure it probably didn't always happen, but that was what they were supposed to do. And so I liken this scene to, a, to say there was a disabled homeless man who, as you walk out from church this morning, and you walk out your door, and he's sitting in front of the door of the church, it would be hard to not want to help, wouldn't it? At least I would hope so. And so this lame beggar, he's set down by the beautiful gate, and this was Nicanor's gate. It was named after its donor. And it's called the Beautiful Gate. And you say, well, why in the world is this gate called Beautiful? Well, we have to kind of then uh, look back at uh, a church historian, Josephus. And he, de he, he describes this particular gate with, with surprising detail. Where, where it's not uh, overlaid in silver and gold like the other gates. And you think, well, well, that's pretty ornate. That's pretty valuable. But this particular gate, this gate called Beautiful, it actually stood out above all the rest of the gates on the temple. It was fashioned out of pure Corinthian brass. And this was a highly valuable commodity. Which was far more beautiful and, and far uh, more expensive and far more heavy than the mere silver and gold gates that were in the rest of the temple. And... Here sits this lame beggar in front of this beautiful gate. And so as you can 
probably see there's an obvious contrast going on here. You see this exceedingly ornate, expensive, beautiful gate from which people would would enter into the temple and exit out of the temple. And the contrast here is this pitiful, poor, and lame beggar sitting beside it. Now, it might not be so obvious to us looking at it with modern eyes. But be rest assured to Luke's audience and to people in that day... They would have seen that this man stood out like a sore thumb against this beautiful gate. You know, I think of it. Have you ever looked at one of those optical illusions? Maybe it's on Facebook or you see it in some book where it says, Stare at this dot for 30 seconds. And you, 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 know, you stare at it intensely and it says, Look up and you can see the image on the, on the ceiling or on the wall wherever you look. And I think that that's what this... This, this text ought to do for us now on is that we, we, we ought to see that, that something that we haven't seen before and I pray that this contrast would be like that to us. We see in verse 3 that he sees two men, Peter and John, walking toward him. And he's like, this is my opportunity here. He seizes this opportunity. He, he cries out to them and he says, Oh, I imagine he says, alms for the poor. I can just hear him, alms for the poor. And he was probably used to avoiding eye contact. People probably looked down on this man and some passing by dropped off their, their, their donations to him without even uh, matching, a, matching a gaze. Others ignoring his presence altogether on their way to worship. I mean, that's what you do, right? I'm sure you've done that. I mean, you've, again, been going down the Lloyd Expressway, and you get at a stop sign, and they got that guy with a sign, and you're trying not to make eye contact, and, right? I mean, that's probably what was going on here. You try not to notice that person. If you say you haven't done that, then, well, that's between you and the Lord. But instead, what we see here is this wonderful, very personal, and very powerful encounter that this man has with the two apostles. Look at verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him, and as did John, and said, Look at us. This communicates an intense stare. Peter says with his actions and his words, Look at me. Other people may pass you by and not give you a look, but I want you to look at me in the eyes. And this probably isn't the first time that Peter and John have passed by this man. In fact, they've probably dropped in a few coins here and there. It's probably a pretty regular thing. But this time something changed. Through the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Lord put it in their hearts and in their minds at that very moment to do something. Perhaps you can think of a time when you've been so compelled by the Holy Spirit to do something. And I would encourage you this morning, and I want to encourage you while I'm here, to stay tender to the Spirit's leading. You know, it can be often, you know, I... I'm a big uh, proponent of sound doctrine, but we can't let our 
love and our vigor for sound doctrine to harden our hearts, to not make our hearts malleable. So stay tender to the Lord's leading, to the, spirit of the, 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 the leading of the Holy Spirit. Maintain a sensitivity to God's leading. Let's continue with the story here. So verse 5. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So I imagine the man sitting there, you see everybody passing him by, and he, he, he looks up, somebody talks to him, he looks up, and, and I think of the Looney Tunes commercials with the, with the dollar signs in his eyes. And he's like, oh man, these people are going to hook me up. This is going to be a good day. They've actually acknowledged me. That's not what happens, is it? Verse 6. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Now, do you think that he was excited about that news? Or do you think he was perhaps disappointed? I'd imagine he was disappointed. But what happens next, then, is what makes verse 6, really the heart of this passage, really stand out above all the other healing narratives in the New Testament. Let's read verse 6 and 7 again. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. I love what one commentator says about this verse. He says, Peter perhaps cast his glance up at the magnificent doors that towered above the poor beggar. They had no silver or gold either. With their beautiful craftsmanship and solid Corinthian bronze. They were too precious to be marred with an overlay that would only detract from their beauty. All the other gates of the sanctuary were gilded, but not this one. Some things are more precious than silver and gold. And so Peter walks up to this man and he sees this backdrop, this beautiful backdrop and this poor lame beggar. And he tells him, I have something better. Rise up and walk. And he had something better for him, didn't he? You know, I love the, the detailed point of view that, 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 that comes from the physician, Dr. Luke here. I mean, remember, he's a doctor. He says, the man's feet and ankles were made strong. A great healing had just taken place. Something more precious than gold. So, friends, we need to remember... That as wonderful as this passage is, there is something going on here much more than just a physical healing. These first few verses in Acts 3 actually give us a physical picture of a greater spiritual reality. The physical picture we see is of a man who's disabled from birth. He's unable to enter into the house of God. He's unable to to enjoy the presence of God. 
He's held completely captive by his own weaknesses. But what's the spiritual equivalent here? It's that there's a world of people born spiritually lame and spiritually blind, crippled by sin, who apart from Christ are unable to enter the true house of God. Who are unable to fully uh, enjoy the presence of God. Who, who are held utterly captive to their own sin. And so friends, we are no different than this poor, pitiful, lame beggar who sits in front of this beautiful gate in which we enter in to God's presence. And so this lame man begging at the gate is a picture of how we appear to God apart from Christ. Without the saving grace that Christ gives us, and that, that, that He gives us, we're no better, spiritually speaking then, than a lame man begging at God's door for coins and table scraps. Apart from Christ, we cannot enter into God's eternal dwelling. Apart from Christ, we cannot have our sins forgiven. Apart from Christ, we can't be free from the bondage of sin. And I love Jonas's prayer. We can't be free from their eternal consequences or the guilt and the death and hell that comes with them. But being in Christ is that answer to that problem. It's the answer to our separation from God to the lameness that is caused by our own sinfulness. You know, I think about our condition before Christ. And I was reading this morning uh, in Micah, and I, I, I came across a passage in in Micah 3 and, and in Micah 4. And in, in, in Micah 4, the, the, uh, he, he, he's getting ready to prophesy about the, the, the leader of a new people, of a new nation, who would be born in Bethlehem. And obviously we know that's Jesus. And in Micah 3, he, he, he prophesies that, that this leader would call the lame to him and he would make a nation of them. Isn't that what the church is? It's a bunch of people who were lame, poor, and pitiful. And our leader, Jesus Christ, then gathers this remnant of lame people, poor and pitiful beggars, and leads them into God's presence. It's Christ who takes you by the hand and steadies you. It is Christ is the one who, who raises you up from a spiritual death into a new life with Him. It's Jesus Christ and He's the one that makes us strong to walk alongside Him. And I believe that this is all pictured in this miraculous healing of the lame beggar at this Beautiful gate.
And so silver and gold I do not have, but what I give to you is Jesus. And, and, you know, those are wonderful words, but I believe we can always take God's word and we can use it improperly. And I think, you know, these words, often we use them to advocate our responsibility to meet physical needs of people. We often uh, neglect to meet needs. But also on the flip side... As believers in Christ, we know that we have something, really, you know, we have someone who is greater, and that's greater to offer the broken, the destitute, the poor, the pitiful, those on the outside looking in. And so while I believe we can be challenged, yes, to meet physical needs, tangible needs, it also challenges us then to seek the spiritual well-being of others too. And so I would ask you to look at your own life for a second. What is it, which is easier, to hand somebody a $10 bill or to give them the words of life? So I pray this morning that this would also challenge us to look at what we desire most in our life? What are our priorities for ourselves and for other people? And, and I would say, even more important, what do we desire most to give to others? I would pray that it would be the words of life. And so we've witnessed this great miracle. And this miracle then demands a response. And we see then our second point, an appropriate response. And we see two very appropriate responses by one person and a group of people. So first let's look at the beggar's response. So... Peter and John come, and Peter says these words to him. He grabs him by the hand, and he makes his, his feet and his ankles strong, and he pops up, and, and the man rises, and he begins to leap and begins to shout and begins to jump around, trying out his newfound strength in his legs, in which he had never known. I mean, never known. Because he was lame from birth. But this man who was once lame, what's he doing now? leaps for joy. Now, I'm not saying we need to become charismatics, friends. That's not what I'm saying. But I think sometimes we can lack some joy. So I'm not asking you to take off and run around the church. I'll never be asked, asked back here again if I said that. Nor do I believe that. But let me tell you something. Sometimes we lack joy. And it's okay to raise your hands. And it's okay to say, Thank you, Lord. And it's okay to have joy in the Lord for what He's done for us, for Him taking a weak person and making us strong in Him. And this man rejoices because for the first time in his life, he doesn't have to stay nor sit outside the temple, but he can enter into the temple. He gets to enter in through the gate. For the first time in his life. 
Remember, physically, the, the place in Judaism that always represented the presence of God being with His people was the temple. And now he's, uh, he's able to enter. It's opened for Him to enter at will. What kept Him from previously entering is now gone. And so, friends, I would just say, never lose the joy for that reality in your life. When Christ brought you through that door, that He is the door, never lose that joy. But we also know with New Testament eyes, as we look through, through New Testament lenses here, that while that barrier is gone, the temple was just a building. It was just a physical structure. It was just bricks and mortar. Very beautiful place. But God has designed a better temple. Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, that the real temple is what? It's the human body. It's the believers gathered together. And God wants to meet you inside of you where you live deep, down deep in the deep part of your life. And so, while the beggar and many believing Jews hadn't quite understood that at that point, that models for us how we ought then to respond to that amazing truth. Walking and leaping repeatedly and continually praising God. <laughs> what about those who have, us who have enjoyed healthy and dependable limbs all of our lives? What about that? So many blessings. So little realizations of them. And so little gratitude we often have. Rejoice, friends. Rejoice in the Lord. And there's another response we need to be aware of here. In verse 9, it's the people's response. And we see that it had a profound effect on the people who witnessed it all. Let's, let's look at verse 9. Verse 9 and 10. And the people saw him. Now remember, these people saw him every day at these gates. Being carried in, begging. A pitiful, pitiful man he was. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the same pattern we've seen with all the miracles before. They apply here as well. But this time, we see something, something different. And so everyone understood what had happened here. They had seen this man. They knew that a, an amazing miracle had taken place by the very same power that had been displayed in the resurrection of Jesus at Nazareth at Pentecost. And the purpose of that apostolic message that apostolic miracle was to attest to the authenticity of the message and the messenger. And so while the formerly lame beggar, still clinging to Peter and John, if you were to read on, 
then Peter would immediately go on to preach his second sermon where Peter lays down this masterpiece of biblical theology. I mean, read on when you get home today. It's just this, this, this wonderful masterpiece. And so we see this pattern, miracle, then message, miracle, then message. Because a miracle's only as good as the message that it brings attention to. So friends, this is why it's so important that we see ourselves as once lame by birth, by our sinful nature, on the outside of God looking in. Now healed, made new, made useful. And we must never forget that. I don't know about you, but the longer, the more years that that compound between when I was saved and where I am now, the more prone I am to lose that awe and that wonder. Forgetting where I came from. Because we are walking miracles with a message to tell. We were once dead people. Raised to life. And friends, we must see ourselves as needy, once begging for all the wrong things, and we still do that sometimes, and a lot of the times, and only to be given what we really need. We're now exceedingly rich for the purpose of living in Jesus Christ. And so we must never give up the battle for yearning for the right things, the things that should be our priorities, and rejecting the things that aren't. And so we are that lame beggar before God with an incurable disease called sin. Yet Jesus came to the undeserving, the least likely to receive His favor. And Jesus calls us then to rise up and walk. And He has healed us of our lifelong deformity. And this is what, this wonderful truth, friends, is what ought to move us this morning to action. To repentance, to a renewed devotion, to engage together in a common mission, becoming joyful witnesses to the transforming power of the gospel. And so I pray this morning that you are uncomfortably comfortable with the poor, pitiful, lame beggar that you once were before Christ. That you don't forget who it is that opened the door for you. And that that would spur you on towards action. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you so much for this wonderful encounter between Peter and John and this lame beggar. And Lord, the most important thing that it teaches us. Father, we ask you to show to us what it is in our lives where we need to bring that in conformity to to the truth. That we would not cease to be joyful, Lord. Lord, I pray for Mount Vernon Baptist Church. 
Lord, that you would bless their ministry, bless their members, bless their outreach, God. And thank you for this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.